0: My name is Jason, I'm the pastor here at Hope City Church and uh, it's already a good day, but today is going to be a good day. Here's a quote for you. I am told God lives in me and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Let me read it again. I am told God lives in me and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Now, before I tell you who wrote that, I want you to think in your mind the type of person that you think would write and say something like that. When, when we hear those words, darkness, coldness, emptiness, that, that someone has uh, has disconnected from their soul, maybe we would assume that these words belong to someone who is struggling to have faith, an agnostic or an atheistic person who is struggling to have faith in God. Or maybe we would assume that these words belong to somebody who had faith, but now their choices in life had put them in a situation where they were struggling to believe that God is good because life is not good When we read those words, maybe that's what we think and relate to the the author of the words. But what if I told you that the author of these words was Mother Teresa, was from her journal, she wrote these words. And it's always interesting when we're able to get a sneak behind the curtain of someone that we respect and we revere. Because when we get a look behind the curtain, we find out that they're not superhuman. We find out that they struggle with the same things that we seem to struggle with. Doubt, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear. And we shouldn't be shocked by now, but we still usually are. But we shouldn't be because we should know that Life is a struggle for everyone. Life is a struggle for everyone, even even Mother Teresa. Today, we're continuing our series, How to Hear God's Voice. We have been teaching through this series since the beginning of the year, and it's just a series about looking in the Bible to see how God speaks to you and me. And I don't know how you feel when you hear me say that phrase that God is speaking to you and me, but I hope that it gives you some confidence. I hope that it piques your curiosity just a little bit because you need to know that no matter who you are, or where you are, whether you find yourself at a terrible place in life or whether you feel like you're at a great place in life, you need to know that God is speaking to you, that God is, is speaking to you. And the chances are that you, you're not going to hear the audible voice of God. And by that, I mean God speaking to you in a, in a voice that you hear in your ear. The chances are good that that's probably not going to happen. It can, and he does speak that way. But the reality is that for most of us in the room, God is speaking, but he's speaking to us in other ways. Besides the audible voice and this series has been about looking at those other ways that we find in the Bible We're not making them up based on some person's experience We're going to the Bible and finding these other ways that God speaks to you and me because he is speaking He's speaking to all of us and let me just give you those six ways that we've been looking at This is week five so we have this week and one more But for the last six weeks we've been looking at these six ways that God speaks to you and me other than his audible voice We talked about the Bible that God speaks to us through the Bible. It's the most consistent, reliable way to hear the voice of God. You read the Bible, God will speak to you. We talked about desires. Pastor John did an amazing job talking about desires. We talked about people, that God uses people to speak to us. Last week, we talked about doors and signs. If you're one of those people that gets really excited about you know looking for a sign, I would encourage you to, 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 to listen to last week's uh, podcast. And then we have two more. This week, we're gonna be talking about pain, and then next week, we'll close out the series by talking about promptings. Six ways God speaks to you and me. The Bible, desires, people, doors, pain, and prompting. So today we're looking at that fifth way, but it's probably our least favorite way. It's probably the way that that we would least choose to hear the voice of God, because today we're talking about pain. Everybody say pain. pain. Today we're talking about, about Pain. No pain, what? No, no pain. gain. No pain, no gain. You know where that, that became famous? I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the phrase no pain, no gain got its notoriety in 1983 on a workout VHS tape by Jane Fonda yeah. called The Original Workout. Come on, I dig deep for these now, okay? <laughs> the Original Workout by Jane Fonda, but the origin of the statement, no pain, No gain really came from a second century Jewish rabbi, and this is how he said it. The origin was this according to the pain is the gain. According to the pain is the gain. Here's why God speaking through pain is so significant for you and me. Because if God speaks to us through the Bible, we can avoid it. If you don't want to hear God speak to you through the Bible, don't read the Bible. Don't come to church and hear the Bible taught. If God speaks to us through people and promptings and doors, we can ignore it. Even though we feel like God is speaking to us, we could say, no, that's not God. I'm not listening to that. I don't want anything to do with that. But there is no way for you and me to ignore pain. And the reason that pain is a significant way that God speaks to us is because it is unavoidable and unignorable. We are forced to listen for and search for God in the middle of, of our pain. And let's be honest for us, most of us would choose the philosophy no pain, no pain. Not no pain, no gain, no pain, no pain. But God's plan for your life and God's plan for my life will not be found on the path of least resistance. You gotta know that. You got some dreams in your heart? You got some big prayers in your life? You got some places you believe God may be taking you? I can guarantee you today you will not find it on the path of least resistance. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures but he shouts to us in our pain. Now, what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to stand up here and try to explain to you why you're going through the painful experiences that you're going through. I'm not gonna try to stand up here and explain to you the, uh, you know, all of the dominoes and all the reasons, you know, and all of the, the things that are happening and the silver linings through all the pain that you're experiencing, uh, there's a time for that, it's just not today. It's not what I'm gonna do. Because while sometimes, rarely, but sometimes we're able to know the the purpose of our pain in the middle of it, and and sometimes we're, we're able to recognize the purpose of our pain after it in this life, most of the time, you and I will not really know the purpose of our pain on this side of eternity. That it will only be after this life is over and we are with God and we see life through an eternal lens that we will be able to to see why we went through the things that we went to. But did you know, as hard as this is for you to believe, that when that time comes, that when you view your life through an eternal lens and you see the reasons behind everything that you encountered in your life, did you know that when you see that, you'll think it's beautiful? You'll think it's wonderful? You won't look at it and and, and think that it was unfair, you won't look at it and think that God was being mean to you, you will look at it and recognize that it was beautiful and that God knew what he was doing all along. So I'm not going to stand up here and to explain to you why you have been through or are going through what you're going through. But if I could humbly offer this suggestion to you, I would say that maybe God is trying to say something to you that you wouldn't hear any other way. Maybe, maybe the reason that you are going through a painful season in your life right now is because God is trying to say something to you that you wouldn't hear any other way. It's important when we start talking about pain that, that we categorize pain in the right places. Because there's different kinds of pain that we experience in, in, in our life. The first kind of pain that we experience in our life is, is pain that comes because of my sin. Some pain in my life comes because of my sin. It's my fault. I was stupid. I made bad decisions, I did it the opposite of the way God told me to do it, and so now I'm experiencing pain, anguish, anger, hurt, sadness, Uh, maybe I'm going to jail, maybe I lost my job, maybe my wife or my husband left me, and if we're just being honest, maybe we're still in denial, but at some point, we look in the mirror and we say, you know what, that hurt bad, but that's on me. I did that, I did that, and God is gracious to help us But the book of James tells us that when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. That if I keep doing sinful things, I'm going to keep getting hurt. I'm going to keep feeling pain, all right? So some pain in life is because of my sin. Some pain comes from someone else's sin. That's That's a second category for us as we're talking about pain. That there are some things in life that are not my fault. I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm doing uh, the best that I can. But, but someone else's decisions and sins has brought pain on my life. Those are those unexplainable, you know, someone you love is hurt or killed in a, in a DUI. Someone that you love is unfaithful to you. A business that you work at makes a decision, a criminal decision, and, and, the, and the, the business goes bankrupt, and you're wrestling with questions of why, but that would be slotted in the category of some pain in my life is just experienced because of other people's sin. Amen. So some pain is because of my sin, some pain is because of other people's sin, but the third category is that most pain comes because of Adam and Eve's sin. Some mine, some others, but most of it it comes because Adam and Eve sinned, that they ate that apple and they screwed the whole thing up. They broke the system. And so you and I live in this fallen world. And when God showed up in Genesis after Adam and Eve sinned, he said to Eve, he said, now you will experience pain in childbirth. And all the ladies said, amen. <laughs> or that, you could say that, I'm kidding. And so I think it's interesting that from that moment forward, you and I are birthed into this world out of pain. We enter the world through pain. And the Bible guarantees us, maybe you didn't know this about the Bible, but the Bible guarantees us that in this world, we will have pain. Jesus said that. But the Bible also guarantees us that in the next life, when we return, when he returns and we are with him, that there will be no pain. So the guarantee in this world, because Adam and Eve sinned, is we will have pain because we live in a fallen world. But the guarantee after this life is that there will be no pain. So for the time we have today, I want us to look at a few Bible verses from the book of Job. Job is in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with the book of Job, it's a book about a man named... Job. There you go. Just so you know, most of the books are named after the main character. If you're ever at a Bible trivia contest, just go with that. Half the time, you'll be right. So, um, but but it's about a guy named Job, and the the Old Testament is not written in chronological order, which can make it confusing to read sometimes. That the story of Job, even though it's later in the book, it actually is one of the earliest stories about God that we have in history that if you put the Old Testament in order about eight chapters into Genesis around the time you get to Noah that's where you would slot the story of Job so we're going to learn a powerful principle and lesson from the story of Job and this is a lesson that has been that has been learned since the very beginning of time so here's a quick summary Job is a God-fearing man he's a good dude He's got a great family. He loves God, worships God, lived right. When one day God gives permission, you can go read this, this is, right, you can go read it, that God gives the devil permission to mess up Job's life for a very specific purpose, that that the devil is testing if whether Job's devotion to God is because of the blessings in his life or or if it's dependent possibly on on circumstances, which I would say is a test that all of us in this room will go through multiple times in our life. Do we love God because God has been good to us in this season, or do we abandon him when maybe we're going through a tough season? That is the question that the devil wants to know about Job, and so God says, yeah, go for it, do it. And I know that, that saying that for a lot of you causes this, this philosophical dilemma, like, wait a second, that doesn't sound like something God should do. Why would God allow the devil to mess up Job's life? I'm not sure, Jason, that I'm comfortable with that. Why would a God who loves me allow pain and allow tragedy in life just to prove a point? And I totally understand what you're saying. That there is this angst inside of all of us. There is this tension. We're always wanting to know why. We're always wanting to know why. Why would God do that? And so for for a lot of people, when you read the story of Job, there is this disconnect and you want to push back and you want to say, I don't know if I can serve, follow, or worship a God that would allow the devil to mess up someone's life just to test him and to prove a point. I get it. But for me, and I can only speak for me, but for me, when I read the story of Job, it's actually the exact opposite feeling that I get. I understand that some people push back and say, I'm not comfortable with that, with God acting like that. But for me, it draws me in. And it gives me this this comfort in knowing that I serve a God and I worship a God who is so in control and so big and so powerful that if the devil ever wants to mess with me, he's gotta check with God. I love that. I love that, that God is so in control and the devil is so powerless that he's gotta get God's permission to mess with me. And so while some people push away and their response to living in this fallen world is to say, well, well th- that-, that has nothing to do with God uh, that, that's because Adam and Eve has nothing to do with God. God is not connected to that. Because they feel angst and they can't rationalize that God would allow something bad to happen, they remove God from the equation. I can only speak for me, but I don't find any comfort in that. I would much rather worship a God that I have questions for about why something happened than try to worship a God that when I face something awful in life, my response is to say, God had nothing to do with it. God didn't know that was gonna happen. God was not anywhere around that situation. So some people will run to that and say, well, no, 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 God, this is, this is separate from God. I don't wanna face anything in my life that's separate from God. Nothing is separate from God. So we have this choice that Job has in this story where we have to decide, is the idea that we would go through something painful, does it push us away from God because we can't understand why, Or does it draw us closer to God because he is so in control that every tear that we cry and every pain that we feel crosses by his face and his desk? It's a powerful, powerful question we have to face. And so what happens to Job in this story feels unfair. And what happens next, heads up, spoiler, it's awful, it's terrible. The devil comes in with God's, permission and Job loses everything but his wife. He loses all his property. He loses his wealth. He loses his children. His body breaks out in sores. And so the devil uh, conceives of this plan to to make Job as miserable as possible, which I've always wondered if that was the plan. Why leave the wife? She must have been like some lady. I don't know. Like (laughs) if the plan was to make him miserable and the devil's like, take everything. No, leave the wife. Like just leave her. That would be... That would be, that would help the situation a little bit. I don't know. Anyway. Now, I just summed up for you the the first two chapters of the book of Job. That's in there. You can go read it. It's there, one and two. This is all happening, conversation between God and the devil and Job and these questions that we all wrestle with. But Job is a 42-chapter book. And so there are 40 more chapters in the story and all 40 chapters is dialogue, it's conversation that Job is having with himself, that Job is happening, having with his friends, and that eventually Job has with, with God. And it is the perfect story. It's the perfect book for us to go to and to run to. And we are experiencing pain because, just a heads up, Job is about to go into a full-on just tailspin into a dark place the pity party that's about to happen and maybe rightfully so is about to escalate and go crazy okay and so we're going to pick up in chapter six job chapter six it'll be on the screen in the app uh in your bible job chapter six verse starting with verse one and then we're going to read uh through verse 10 if you're trying to find it go to psalms and then go backwards a couple books you'll find it right there okay so Job chapter six, starting with verse one, gonna read 10 verses together. Here's what it says. Then Job spoke again, if my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. I mean, we're already just starting right there. That's why I spoke impulsively. For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. Here's a valid question. Don't I have a right to complain? You ever been through something in life and your friends show up like 30 minutes into it and they're like, just be positive. It's like you get a time period where I just get to complain. I get to throw a pity party. Like, I I get to punch a wall, give me 30 minutes, spare me the silver lining, let's just, okay. All right, tell them your pastor said that's okay, all right? (laughs) If you're coming with fortune cookies, you come tomorrow, I need the people who are gonna, like, cry with me and and, kind of moan with me a little bit, okay? All right, they can leave, y'all can come tomorrow. So he's like, hey, don't I have a right to complain? And then he goes on using this poetic stuff here. Don't wild donkeys bray when they find no grass, and oxen bellow when they have no food. I don't know anything about that stuff, but I can relate to the next one. Don't people complain about unsalted food? Hello? <laughs> Job's like, this is like eating unsalted food. Does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? Not me. My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. And then and he's then he, he just, he reaches in. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant my desire. I wish He would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. This is how, this is how deep and dark it's gotten. This is the pain that Job is experiencing. And I think all of us in the room could could, could say: hey, if anybody gets to say that, Job gets to say that. Consecutive days, he's losing children, jobs, wealth, everything. He's losing everything. And Job is at this place that's so dark and so deep that he says to God, God, if you can just do one more thing for me, just take me out. Just take me out. Because I would rather not live than have to live like this. And maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you've thought those thoughts before. And here's a man who fears God, loves God. A man who has honored God with his life. And he's feeling the same way. He's feeling the same way, but he ends the end we're reading these 10 verses and at the very end of these 10 verses he adds one more sentence. And here's what he says. He says at least I can take comfort in this. God kill me, this is awful, but at least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. This is, this is pretty profound because Job had gotten to a place that he had definitely given up on himself. Like he, he was done with him. But there was still something at the end of these 10 verses that he says, the, the only thing that I can think of, I mean the only silver lining, the only, the only thing I could take away is that despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. Now, I don't know if you have uh, an, an old school paper Bible. Most of you don't, they used to make these. They actually print the Bible on a piece of paper. You may not have one of these. Um, but if you do, when you're reading through that, there are times, and you see this beside verse 10, there are these really small, uh, your, your Bible probably has them that, it's this really small uh, Bible verse reference. So you're reading something, and then beside it, at the end of a verse, there'll be a really small text that will reference another Bible verse. And it's always a good idea when you're reading the Bible to kind of go on a little bit of a treasure hunt there, because if it gives you a verse, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there's even more insight you can learn and take away if you go read that little reference. And as you're reading through Job chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, when you get to 10, beside 10, there is this little reference to Psalm 119 Verse 102. And so I think it would be good for us today to to now go to Psalm 119 because the author of Job, when he wrote this, referenced Psalm 119, 102. You don't have to go find it, but when you get there, what you would see is that Psalm 119, there's 102 and 103, this little two-line statement that speaks so much to what Job is going through about the law of God. But then in Psalm 119, 103, this is what it says. It says, how sweet your words taste to me. This is David writing, who's himself going through something dark. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Now, I don't like honey, so I have trouble relating to that verse. But it would be fair to say whatever it is, like your favorite dessert, like whatever it is that you bite into it, and it's like, yes. That's what David's saying. David's saying that the words of God make me feel like when I take that first bite of that molten lava cake, right? That, that first bite of that hot and now crispy cream donut, when I bite into that thing, that's what it feels like when I hear the words of God. In my life. So Job, who's going through the worst time of his life in the middle of an epic pity party, he makes this point, which is very important, that even though life is at an all-time low, despite the pain, he hasn't given up on God, he's given up on himself, but he hasn't given up on God. And when things are the worst, Job is saying that God's word, which is his the Bible, the, the the consistent reliable word of God, that God's word and God's words, which are the continuing voice of God that he speaks to you and me, that when life is at an all-time low, despite the pain, God's word and God's words are the only thing that brings that sense of, wow, that somehow God's word and God's words speak life into me When I feel like I have no life, nothing left. And just so you know, I don't wanna leave you hanging. Um, Eventually, if you don't know the story, God shows up and he has a conversation with Job. And eventually, Job comes out on the other side of the worst time of his life. And at the very end of chapter 42, 42 chapters later, the very end of the story, this is what it says about Job. It says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. And then it says, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and his grandchildren. I love that. I love that. It does not mean that there was not a day that went by that Job didn't think about the worst time of his life. It doesn't mean that there wasn't a day that went by that Job didn't think about the kids that he lost that God redeemed it, blessed him, and that the second half was better than the first half, but you know that there were still days, regardless of the blessings of God, that he still thought about the most painful season of his life. But Job, looking back on the most painful season of his life, at the end of his life, would say the same thing that you and I at some point will say about our painful seasons. That I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it. Like if you're giving me a heads up and you're letting me make the decisions for my life and what I have to go through and not go through, I would never, ever, ever choose to go through what I went through. But now that I've been through it, I wouldn't change it because I didn't even realize it, but God was doing something. Son of a gun, Jane Fonda was right. (laughs) Pain is gain. Eventually, God uses pain to speak to you and me. God uses pain to speak to you and me. And when I was typing that message, that that line in the message this week, I, I had to go back and delete the first word because I originally typed it as unfortunately comma God uses pain to speak to you and me but I had to go back and delete the word unfortunately because that would not have been been right it's not unfortunate it's not unfortunate we serve a God who loves us so much that he refuses to let us stay the same and without pain let's just be real Most of us would just maintain the status quo. You know when we change? When we have to. And so, without pain, we maintain the status quo. And God blesses us with bruises so that we can know Him like only someone who has walked through the valley of the shadow of death. You know why everybody likes David in the Bible so much? Because David went through a lot, he went through a lot. You know why nobody really liked Samson? dude was soft. He never went through nothing, right? So God speaks to us through pain. And my prayer for you as your pastor is not that you would live a pain-free life. You just need to know that. My prayer for you is not you would live a pain-free life. My prayer for you is that you would learn to hear God's loving voice in the middle of the pain. In the middle of it. And so when you are, and when you're walking through life's most painful moments, let me give you three questions that you need to be asking. You're walking through life's painful moments. Maybe you're not, but you know that you will eventually. You need to write these down. Three questions that you need to be asking, whether you're going through it right now or you will go through it soon. Three questions you need to be asking God when you're walking through the most painful moments of your life. Number one, first question. God, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to teach me? Let's not be so focused on getting out of circumstances that we don't get anything out of them. God, what are you trying to teach me? Here, here's my prayer. God, if you're taking me to school right now, I do not want to have to retake this class. So whatever I need to learn, I'm in. I'm in. And for some of us in the room... We keep bumping up against the same wall that we've been bumping up against for the last 20 years because we will not learn what God is trying to teach us through our pain. So we keep facing the same pain over and over again. It's got different characters. It's got different themes in it. But at its core, it's the same. It's the same. Some of you in here, you are in bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship over and over again. And then you, you get hurt and it, it hurts and you say, I'm never going to do that again. I don't know why this always happens to me. As, as sensitively and compassionately as I can say this without making fun of your situation, I know why it keeps happening to you. Because you keep doing the same thing. And it's not just you, it's me. I have areas of my life. We all have areas of our life where we're frustrated that we keep experiencing a recurring pain in our life, but we refuse to learn the lesson that we need to learn. So maybe in that instance, the lesson is that it's better to be alone than to be with the wrong person. Maybe the lesson is it's better to be alone and wait on the person God has for us than to go find somebody at some place where the kind of spouse we want doesn't hang out. It's a different sermon, but we'll get there. Maybe the lesson is every time I borrow money, it ends badly. Maybe the lesson is that every time I hold on to a grudge and I am bitter, I'm the only one who comes out really hurt. But everybody has a lesson. And my friend Pat, who lives in Alaska, who's a brilliant financial mind, who's been a family friend of ours forever. Anytime I call Pat because I've made a bad financial decision, he always asks me the same question Jason, what did you learn? And I'll say, Well, I learned I probably don't need to finance that car for 60 months. Or I need to do my due diligence. Or I don't need. And Pat always tells me the same thing. Pat says, Well, if you learned your lesson, whatever you paid was worth it. If you learned your lesson, whatever you paid, was worth it. So first question, God, what are you trying to teach me? Second question, God, what are you trying to show me? God, what are you trying to show me? If you'll let it, pain can awaken your senses. We don't wanna never experience pain because pain does keep us safe to a certain extent. That when you lay your hand on top of a hot stove and it burns, your brain puts a sticky note that says, don't ever do that again. So the worst thing that can ever happen is you put your hand on a stove, your hand is burning, but you don't feel the pain, Right? And so, so pain, like nothing else in our life, awakens our senses. So what do you now need to be aware of that you were not aware of before? Who have you been taking for granted? What have you been taking for granted? Maybe there's something new, someone new that God wants to br- bring into your life. And if you will be on the lookout in your most painful moments, you will see the new opportunities. What if God wants to use your pain as a platform to minister to other people who have been through or going through what you have been through? You'll see with new eyes. So God, what are you trying to teach me too? God, what are you trying to show me? And then the last question is this. First question, God, what are you trying to teach me? Second question, God, what are you trying to show me? Third question, God, how are you trying to grow me? God, how are you trying to grow me? He's teaching me, he's showing me. God, how are you trying to grow me? Pain always has a purpose. Pain always has a purpose, and your growth is one of the purposes. I, um, this is going to come as a shock to you, but I don't lift a lot of weights. And I, um, (laughs) when I was in high school, I lifted weights, and I exercised when I lift weights. And so I've kind of reached that midlife point where I'm like, I'd like to lift weights. And so um, I went to the gym by myself on Wednesday and was so insecure because I felt like everybody was looking at me, and they knew that I didn't know what I was doing And I was really worried that I was going to use like a, a I was going to do legs on like an arm machine. I didn't know what I was doing. So I called my friend Clark, who is, you know, awesome at all that stuff. I said, Clark, I need you to go with me to the gym on Saturday morning, and I need you to show me how it works. Give me a workout routine. Show me how the equipment works. I'll feel more confident walking around with you, you know. He's like, all right. So we met up and he shows me all the machines and he shows me the reps and how to do it, you know, and all that stuff. And I bet, honestly, in the 45 minutes we were together, I bet he probably said 20 different times, if it doesn't hurt, it's not working. Like if you're not sore, you're not lifting enough. If it's not, if it's not painful tomorrow, you didn't work hard enough. He probably, different ways he said it 20 different times. You'll know it's working because you'll be sore. That's what he always says. And so muscles grow when they are maxed and they are stretched and the same is true for your faith. That if you will let this painful season, listen, I'm not asking you to be like all idealistic right now in the middle of this awesome time and say, it's terrible, but God is growing me. This is wonderful. But if you and God will talk about it and you'll just say to God, God, I don't know why this is happening. I wish I knew why this was happening. But if you're growing me, I'm in. Because if I can know you like I've never known you on the other side of this, I'll take it. If I can be closer to you than I've ever been close to you, I'll take it. If I can know you more intimately, if I can experience you like I've never experienced you before, but this is what I have to go through to do it, I'll take it. I wouldn't choose it. But I wouldn't change it. Let's pray.